but yeah, uh, like every other podcast we ever have, we pretend there's an agenda and then, you know, Brian drags us off topic. You know, <laughs> Welcome the audience to the season finale for season nine of Mention and Dispatches here. Uh, BB Mike, we've made it nine seasons. Can you believe it? We're, we're... Yeah, yeah, I can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> we all of them. So yeah, we're we're all kinds of getting. So I, you know, that's this is four and a half years of podcasting because we do two seasons per year, right? A fall season, a spring season. And so we are wrapping up our fall 2022 season. And so we brought a crowd along to to wrap up the season finale. And so you heard the dulcet sounds of Mike Colello there. Uh, you also heard Brian is back. He was he was chuckling in the background during our intro there. Brian, how are you? I'm doing great. How is the how are the renovations on the Tiki Bar and Rum Lounge coming? It, the Tiki Bar is pretty much complete. Still collecting. You could always put more stuff on the walls. Um, the next big purchase is going to be two rattan chairs to go with the rattan table that's in the Tiki Bar, which is gotcha. quite expensive. Let me tell you. Yeah, well, I can imagine. I have to imagine because I haven't actually gone and priced out rattan furniture lately. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. And then uh speaking of things that that I, you know, am loath to price out, our buddy OJ's dad, the other Mike is back and and he got to pay for a wedding this year. So, dude, I I feel for you, man. Um but but welcome back. Thank you. Y- you've been traveling a bunch this season because we keep saying, "Hey, can you make this?" We're like, "No, nah, I'm going to be on the road." Now nah, I'm yep. going to be on the road. What the heck? Does that work? <laughs> Can I say that too? Yes, it works. You, you, you'd actually have to have a job though that you travel. <clears throat> well, he'll never know. Yeah. Well, my so BB Mike's last travels that that I was aware of, uh, he and I were hanging out a weekend. As people are listening to this, it's gonna be about two and a half weeks ago. Uh, as we publish stuff, the Jeff Con uh, wrap up article went up. It was supposed to be yesterday. I hit. I had saved the draft and never hit publish, so it went, went out today before Tuesday Newsday. But Mike was there for Jeff Con. So Mike, for the folks that are just listening to the podcast and not reading articles on our site. Um, first of all, they suck. But second of all, tell them, uh, tell them what you thought of Jeff Con and how it all went down. Well, I'll just say it was my first smaller convention and I really, I really liked it. It was uh, a lot different, different in feel and it was just a totally different experience. So I'm looking forward to doing some more of the smaller cons in the future. Yeah, I think the ratio of gameplay to everything else is way skewed in favor of gameplay at those smaller conventions. I- I will say that this one, you know, in Origins, we already feel like we're the minority of the minority of the, of the of being war gamers there. And at this convention, this uh, Jeff Con convention, I think we were the only table that I would legitimately say was playing war games. <laughs> yeah, uh, it depends on where you categorize Battletech and or Hull Breach. But that's about as far as you're going to stretch it, right? So I, I think so. I mean, I, and they were playing Isle of Cats. You might be able to make that into war game. I don't know. Um, maybe. I mean, Brian, it, was, it was it was in the war game room. Well, it was in, <laughs> so so for those that haven't seen the video that I I shot at the convention, there's one massive ballroom down. Uh, down one of the hallways and it's got the room divider so they divided it into five smaller rooms and we were in the middle room the two on either side of us were were almost all rpgs and the one we were in was a bunch of tabletop gaming the problem with so i've i've been to jeffcon before well mace when it was known as mace um it was jeffcon in honor of the founder who had passed away earlier this year and and this was the last mace so this was jeffcon in jeff's honor at previous maces that i've been to they've had that thing split into 
maybe two rooms where they were much bigger. And Mike, I know you noticed this, that the the sound was bouncing all over those walls where we were and our room was loud um, you know it it was and i and i and i think i said this in my write-up compared to origins though i didn't think it was like that like origins was a different grade of loudness to me well yeah because you're in an aircraft hangar you're in a concrete aircraft hangar and so you've got ten thousand people echoing with wrestler dudes screaming to amplify it even more right yeah so yeah, I, the sound i didn't think was really all that bad i mean it was bad for what it was i guess but well, our room was noticeably louder than all the others, which, you know, the RPG room, some 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 of those weird RPG guys are like, you know, don't make a sound, like must stay in character. Um, but even with those guys talking, the um, the RPG rooms were significantly quieter than the room we were in. I, it, and it wasn't because of us. <laughs> it's just that that room was a little louder and a little more claustrophobic than I think it needed to be. But we had folks come sit down and play some games with us, um, chatted with a couple of others, generally had a good time. I think a couple of the other people in our room looked at us like we were a little on the weird side, which is not undeserved, but you know, um, yeah. Uh, some of those smaller conventions can be a lot of fun uh, for folks that are interested in possibly coming and checking out another one of those smaller conventions. We will be at Buckeye game fest in the spring. That one is fairly war game heavy. That one happens in April every year in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, maybe if we, if we lean on him hard enough, we can get Brian to make the drive and show up. Um, I, Mike, if if you're not on the road, uh, we're commuting distance for you to come in there and come see us. And it only costs you like five bucks or whatever to get in for the day and uh, and, and come play some war games with us over in the war room, uh, which Ardwolf is the guy that sort of organizes the war room stuff for Buckeye Game Fest now. So um, so may, maybe we can maybe we can lean on OJ's dad to commute himself down to Columbus for a day and come check us out with Buckeye Game Fest. I think it's a lot better deal than uh, Origins. Yeah, if, if you're there for playing games, it definitely is. A good chunk of what you're paying for at Origins is all of the other stuff besides just the gameplay, right? The giant vendor hall, some of the uh, some of the other programming, especially the stuff at, at Origins University and the War College. Uh, you're paying for a lot of that other stuff. So, um, Brian, how many, if any, game conventions have you ever made it to? One. One. <laughs> one. And a local one at that. No, so nothing all that big. Uh to be honest, the, the bigger game conventions don't. Uh, it, this uh, part of my life, going, being part of big crowds and stuff like that, just not my thing. So these smaller conventions are definitely uh, more up my alley. Yeah, no, 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 I, I, as somebody who's done both really big ones and really small ones, I totally get it, man. I, I, I totally understand. I think the small ones are definitely much more gameplay focused, and and there is something to be said for just you know paying five, ten bucks, whatever, and just showing up and doing nothing but playing games for fourteen hours. I, I think there's definitely something very cool about that. And with uh, tabletop simulator, do we even really need the conventions, Brent? Somebody, you know, lean over and smack him upside the head. <laughs> I did no, not no, like Cyrano for a reason. You know, okay. I, I it, to me it was hilarious to hear Jim complain about conventions because of all of the people. <laughs> it, was just, it was surreal to hear him complain about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, it's like, wait a minute, the you're the multiplayer guy. <laughs> about people. And, and, and the funny thing is, like, one of the best parts of being at those big conventions is the walk by traffic that stops and goes, hey, what the hell are they doing? And then gets interested and, you know, comes back and plays and really has a great time just because they happen to walk by and see something and go, what the hell are they doing? When he was the architect behind one of the biggest showstoppers we've ever had at Origins, and that was the year we did the, the legit blind Kriegspiel where we had all the 
the study carols, the little portable cardboard, you know, table divider set up so that everybody could only see the map right in front of themselves. And folks were walking by going like, are they taking the LSATs? Like, what the hell's going on? Because <laughs> that's what it looked like. And, and we had a ton of people. We did, we did a dress rehearsal on Wednesday night. We didn't charge people to play in that one, but we told them like at any time we could stop and reset the entire scenario because we're doing this to test out a couple of things with the scenario, but also to make sure that our GMs are comfortable with the way everything needs to flow. And everybody was cool with that. Like nobody bitched about the fact that, you know, we might change stuff in the middle of a free event. Everybody was fine. Um, but we had a lot of folks walk by going, what the, what the heck is going on here? And then we told them what was going on and they all came back Friday night to play in the real one, which was pretty neat. And you don't get that in a virtual convention. And like, that was all Cyrano's fault. You know, he was the reason we were doing all that. And and now he's the one saying, ah, we don't need to do that anymore. So yes, I got a big kick out of the whole uh, conversation. For those unsure of what we are referencing, uh, go hit our YouTube page. I've got the link down below in the, in, in the, the, the show notes down below, but, uh, when Ardwolf was traveling back from Compass Con, because they drove to and from Connecticut, he was on the road when he would have normally been live on Monday night. And so Cyrano and I filled in. We took over that time slot for him that night so folks still had a Monday night show they could drop in on. And uh, and, and that's what we were talking about was convention stuff. And, and Jim asking, why do we even need conventions anymore? And he, he got... And what did Ardwolf bring he, back with him? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you mentioned that. But Saturday night, we did a double blind of uh, Spearhead, right? Yeah. And we were talking about that. What would it have taken to do that at a convention with miniatures? Oh, it would have been a massive undertaking. I this, I, I am not at all poo-pooing the level of effort that it would take to pull something like that off in the physical space. The point that I was making is... Without that effort to pull it off in the physical space, you get zero people walk by and go, huh, what is that? That looks kind of cool. There's how often does somebody ever stumble into the chat on YouTube on Saturday Night Fights and go, yeah, I was just sort of surfing around YouTube and this looked kind of neat. So I thought I'd pop in and see what's going on. Right. It's been four years of Saturday Night Fights. Has that happened once, twice? Uh, I don't know about picking it up maybe during live, but we've been picking up people. What we've we've picked up. Some I mean, we Jim- picked up a bunch of war gamers who have had it referenced to them hey you should check out this wargaming thing yeah i don't think you know it, it, the, the problem is neither one is strong enough to kill off the other right now especially <laughs> at the technology level you're not you're not going to do away with conventions you're not going to do away with, with digital gaming and you shouldn't i think we should have both that's really what it's all about no, choice, it's right? best of both worlds i agree yeah, yeah so yeah, why not do both and all get along yeah totally neither one should want to kill off the other i think they're they are absolutely complementary to each other yeah so. Especially when you take into account the cost factor for uh, tabletop simulator, especially when it comes to miniatures, which I don't dabble in, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad I don't uh, because of the costs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that and the arts and crafts factor, right? Yeah. The amount of time it's going to take you to, to deal with stuff. All right, so we started doing this last year. It's going to kind of become our fall tradition as we wrap up our fall season. Uh, we're going to we're going to take a look back on the past year in gaming with the crew we've got here, but also hand out a couple of sort of holiday wargaming wishes. And so your your wishes for the wargaming community as the holidays are upon us. If uh, if you had one of the magic Christmas ornaments from the the cheesy Hallmark movies that you could make some wargaming wishes come true, what would those wishes be? And as you guys 
guys ponder that for a moment, I'm going to throw a first one out there. And, and this is going to sound a little silly to some folks, and this is absolutely a very selfish wish. I need every Wargame company on the planet to quit making product announcements from between noon on Tuesday <laughs> and 8 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Just fucking stop it, guys. Seriously. I'm getting real sick of hitting publish on Tuesday, Newsday, and five minutes later, a tweet pops up. Hey, we've just announced this brand new game that's for sales. Like, God dang it, y'all couldn't have held up. Like, either hold off an extra day or send me the heads up Tuesday morning so it's waiting for me when I'm compiling Tuesday Newsday. Just cut it out with the Tuesday afternoon product announcements. It's getting old. But their hey. Christmas wish is for you to move Tuesday Newsday to Thursday. Yeah, except that that doesn't rhyme. <laughs> We have throwback Thursday stuff we're supposed to be doing on Thursdays. So, yeah, Tuesday Newsday. It's Tuesday for a reason. Come on, people. Because it rhymes. Because it rhymes. Quit making product <laughs> announcements at 6 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons. You guys are driving me nuts. All right, I'm off my soapbox. That's my first holiday wargaming wish. Brian, what do you got? Oh, well, I, I will be selfish as well. Uh, I think I've brought this up before, but block war games, okay? I don't I don't have a problem with block war games. What I have a problem with is having to put the damn stickers on the block. Okay. I'm freaking 50 years old. I can hardly see anything in front of me at this point. And you want me to freaking take stickers and stick them on these blocks. It, it's painful for me. It's painful. Do I'm it having, for me, guys. I, I'm having deja vu over here. I think he started off with this last year. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but he, well, but, but Brian has a point, though, in that Holland Spiel's Siege of Mantua game has silk screened blocks they are pre-printed on the blocks now they're not going to be as pretty as some of the full color stickers that you'd otherwise have to stick on the blocks right but clearly we have the ability to print stuff directly on the blocks never mind some of the laser etching kind of stuff that steve from blue panther is probably madly trying to figure out right now they don't it, even it, have to do all that fancy stuff just stick Put the damn sticker on the block for me. <laughs> well, that's that's a lot more manual labor than I think you realize. There's got to be a machine that can do this. Probably. And, and, and Steve probably has one hooked up to the end of a production machine somewhere. Because you know Blue Panther's got one of those giant Dr. Seuss contraptions that, like, he just goes and hits a button and then a finished game spits out the other <laughs> end, right? I'll pay $5 more for the game. I think, is it Vento Nuovo? Somebody that's got block games actually has a stickering service you can pay for. I, I, I'm, I'm Okay, I'm going to stall for time. BB Mike, Wargaming Wish, while I look up the answer to, to Brian's question here. Um, well, I could start off with the same one I started off with last year, and that's my uh, my good old games version uh, for board games. But I'm going to throw a new one out. I'm going to say that um, one of my wishes for next year is that the uh, that Ardwolf has uh, great luck with the uh, Charles S. Roberts Awards and reshaping those. One big hope for the for the new year. I uh, nobody can see us because this is a podcast. I am I am hoisting a cider in appreciation of your suggestion. Yeah, excellent. So, they got got a better guy for it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, we so we we've had Gary on the show. Not to gripe about the CSRs directly, but Jim and I brought, because we're the three amigos that, you know, have done nothing but bitch about the, the Charlies for three years now. We brought Gary onto the show to talk a bunch about sort of what happened and where he's going and some of the direction that he wants to take it. And um, what are some of the ideas they've considered and, quite frankly, some of the ones they'd rejected. And and what did we think about it all? So, folks that want to go check out that episode, it's, you know, it's, it's in the back episodes. Go take a listen. Uh, but, but I do think you're right. There is definitely hope that it will be handled better at this point so that that would be nice um so uh oj's dad 
Talk to us, man. What do you got? Uh, publishers. If you have no intention of publishing a game ever again, go to War Game Vault, do it yourself, but sell the PDF version of the rule set so those of us that want to play it can get the rules. Amen. Not having to pay a hundred <laughs> inflated used market prices or, or do a print-to-play version of it or something. Yeah. So lots I, and lots I, of games out there that people – I mean, we are just talking about, right? You have Vassal. You have TTS. You have people that will print their own counters, you know, or, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, exactly. Like you said, to, and I think we said this last year too. But I think to to get those publishers to put those into Tabletop Simulator would be fantastic. I mean, think of it, it would be just as good as having the board game in some cases. Sell it as DLC on as part for TTS, right? Yeah. You know, there's there, there's lots of things you can do, but you're you're sitting on a lot of IP that. People are willing to, to pay a few bucks for. We're not asking you to go back and re rebox up games. There's plenty of people that would be happy to, to see that, but we know that's not going to happen. Do you have something specific? Uh, I don't know. Napoleonic, uh, CNC Napoleonics, the basic basic sets. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I, that's out of print. A lot. I would love to own a copy of that. Yeah, I mean, just go to GMT, and I'm not picking on GMT. You know, to everybody, just go to GMT and look at their everything that's on their website and just say, this is out of print, out of print, out of print. And you know, they're not going to have any intention of ever printing it again. Yeah, which mean, is why they can do the big 50% off sale on everything that's in print. Right? <laughs> well, and, and last year I was able to participate in that because I had a P500 that I purchased. And I'm looking at everything and it's either an add-on to something that you can't get the base game for or... <laughs> It was something I had absolutely no interest in. Yeah, you know, and just just looking at everything. Yeah, I think the the in terms of the devil's advocate, right? Putting on the analyst hat here, real quick. I think the biggest challenge you will run into for a bunch of the things that you might like to see somewhere like a Wargame Vault is some of the IP may not be all that clear. For instance, if you wanted to try and put Ranger from Omega Games up on board up on Wargame Vault. Who owns the IP on that one? Bill passed away six, seven years ago, five years ago. Well, it's more than five now. His wife has tried to continue to fulfill orders, but there's there's nobody really developing Ranger at this point. Who would even go through putting that up there? Uh, you know, wh where does the IP reside? Is the company still going to continue to exist? What's going to happen with those guys? Um, you know, Matrix Games stepped in to help get Rule the Waves cleaned up when Chris Dean passed and NWS uh, dissolved. But, uh, you know, Fresno Game Association games, who still owns the IP on those things? Where's all the IP reside from the different games that Victory Point games were, were publishing? Some of those things were returned to the creator. Some of them stayed with the publisher. And and, and that's fine. It, I'm talking about publishers that are still doing yeah, you're, things. You're so talking I'm, I'm talking about games thing. that are 10 years old <laughs> that they have no intention of ever publishing again. Do something with that. That there are, you know, forget the, the IP. P who who owns the rights to do that? But let's deal with the stuff that that you have clearer understanding of. Yeah, you know that's that's an interesting question, and I don't, I don't want to sidetrack us here too much, but I think it's on Dude, GMT podcast is what we do. I, I think it's on GMT site where they have the P five hundred and what's in stock. But I think there's another thing that says games that will never be printed again or something like that, right? I don't think it specifically says that, does it? Let me go. I look. don't know. I'm, sitting, I'm sitting in front of a computer. I can tell you. Does. I think it's GMT. I'm, I'm going to look since we're all sitting in front well, of I think, We're all going to go look. I think, I think if you look at a lot of publisher sites, a lot of them will say it's out of print, right? Sure. So usually out of print means they probably don't have any goals of going back and, and redoing anything with it again, right? 
Well, well, I think at that point they own the IP and they probably have all of the files properly set up to run through a printer. The question is, does it make economic sense to hit the go button on that? Okay, here it is. And Brian's right. It doesn't say exactly what I said. It says forever out of stock legacy games. Where, where on GMT's site is that? So if, if you go to their uh, uh, search where it says games, look at all games. Yep. And then it scroll down in the series, uh, not the series type. Where did I see it? It's in, in departments. departments. Yep. yep. Out of, out of stock reprintable reprint yeah, eligible games so they're telling you that i guess they still have the license but there, there's yeah i guess i guess though brent you could you could they could easily answer this like with gmt right they could do another p500 on that game and answer yeah. their own question can they hit another p500 if they can send it back to the printer if, if what you're saying is right and and all they have to do is tell the printers hey go with this again they can do that but they don't you know, seem to be doing that. At least, you know, at least so, at least if they put it set up the P five hundred or whatever. You know, maybe they say, hey, since it's a reprint, we only need three hundred or whatever, and they only get a hundred people interested. Then you can say, hey, we tried this. We only had a hundred people interested. Maybe we'll try it again in a couple of years to see if there's more interest at that point. But at some point, you're, you're, you're I don't know. So uh, you're, so, talking, so, you're talking uh, rationally, like that. The, the, well. The, the, these companies, you know, we could just look at, you know, the page that uh, Mike showed us here. And just looking on the first page, I can see three or four games that I think would do outstanding if they re-released them. Okay. So j just to be clear, under departments, there are two sections. It's not the out-of-stock reprint eligible. There's one called Forever Out-of-Stock Legacy Games. So that's telling me that they will never have these in stock again. Now, it doesn't say anything about what licensing situation right. is. But I, and like you said, if you look at these games, I think they have the license. I mean, the, there's a blue versus gray Civil War card game. I think that was one of their first games. And and you know what? It, it, how easy would it be, though, to put it right here on here? You know, put put a note in there. You click on, on your blue and gray that you just mentioned, I think. And, you know, we do not own the IP. We cannot sell this digitally, you know, whatever. You know, and yeah. that's fine. At least you're putting something out there to let people know where the where the future li possible, possibly lies on this, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they've even published some of these that they don't have the IP and they can't reprint them. Right. Maybe. Um, that's entirely possible. One of the checks, I think, and, and not that we're going to sit here and go through like game by game, uh, you know, of, of GMT's archive there, but go look at who the designers are, right? If the, if Gene Billingsley was the designer, they probably still have the rights to it. And they may choose not to reprint it because the game system didn't hold up or it would cost too much to redo the art. Or maybe it just didn't sell the first time. You know, even if they put it up on P500 uh, and, and they get their copies in at a certain point, if you're selling one every three months and it takes you nine years to sell out of it, how much space did that take up in your warehouse that you could have had something else that was moving a little quicker, you know? No, I just been around a long time selling a lot of good games and, and, you know, staying in business. They, they don't need business advice from me for sure. You know I mean? Well, I noticed oh, they re-release actually re-released some of these games, like the American revolution ones, like Goldford. And, uh, there's another one on here. They were re Saratoga. They were released those as a tri-pack, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, later on. To get back to the point with Brian uh, that I said, hey, you guys answer this question while I go look this up. Vento Nuovo does offer a stickering service for Orange Swan, and I think it's Black Swan. It costs you 25 euros for them to sticker the game for you, but it's like 150-something blocks for them to do. Right. 
So the other thing that I think is probably worth keeping in mind as a part of that is if they mess something up, they're going to walk over to their giant stack of spare stickers and pull another one off and fix it for you. Where if you mess it up, you're just stuck with a messed up block. Yep. That- not stickered well so that's that's on you so the uh, well i'll go back to one thing i said earlier too and why do we even have the stupid blocks if we don't need them in a game like command and colors you do not need stickered blocks you can have a counter that would work just as well there's no hidden information in command and colors yeah 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 no that's fair uh the, the fact that Memoir 44 uses essentially the same system and does it with figures instead of blocks tells you you don't need the blocks. Battle Cry, you know, the Battle Lore, like we, we've done these with minis instead of blocks before. So that's, a, you're right, you, you don't need it. Uh, but but if they didn't have it, then we couldn't drive Brian nuts by having non-sticker blocks. <laughs> I mean, you could even use standees, you know, with a nice... Nice looking uh, standy, you know, it's information on it. That, that's fine until you've got, you know, Darth Vader across the table from you, some heavy breather that sneezes and takes out half your army. Well, that's true. The blocks are less likely to blow over if you, uh, if you, if you cough. So I think if you listen to the last podcast that uh, Ian said we could use Legos in place of the box too. You absolutely could. <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely could. Uh, I, I think Legos were one of several different options that he gave you to, to be able to use, uh, if, if that works for him. A, a round of Wargaming Wishes under our belt. Let's take a moment and take a look back over this past year in terms of, of the Wargaming that we've done over the past year. OJ's dad, Mike, any guesses to how many of the, the online games you've played in with Cyrano over the course of the past year? Uh, you've got to be oh, pushing probably legend, average. Huh? Yeah, probably average two a week. Yeah, yeah, two a week over fifty weeks. I mean, you're you're hitting hundred games there pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, pretty close. Maybe definitely mid nineties. I would say by the end of the year. Yeah. Have you uh, have you pulled up TTS to get any wargaming in other than with Jim's group on those uh, Saturday night fights and Wednesday night warfare and Thursday night throwdown? No. Yeah. I, see, that's it, it. Not picking on you, but like I'm not sure very many of you guys at all in his in his game. You know, the the old gaming tribe that he's built there are doing a lot of gaming other than with that. Now, part of it is you don't need to, right? Three nights a week, you've got plenty of gaming on on you know on your hands there. But I wonder, you know, certainly don't wish Cyrano any ill will. If Jim got hit by a bus tomorrow, what happens to that game group? Like the whole thing's going to end up disintegrating, which is unfortunate. That it it's not more self sustaining than that, but I think well, it's a testament to Jim's enthusiasm for it all. Keep keep in mind though, Jim doesn't usually it, it almost never plays, right? He's the game master. Yep. So he's he's you know so so it's a little bit different where where you, you wouldn't be losing a player, you'd be losing the person that that runs the games, that sets up everything. On the reverse side, there's a number of people that could probably step in and run the games. Um, and then learn how to put the tables together. I can put a table together. Uh, maybe not quite as good as Jim right now, but I, I've messed around with that before. Um, it'd just be a matter of, of time. Jim, thankfully, has the time to do this piece and consistently run three games a night, or three yeah. games a week, excuse me. Plus, whatever Kriegspiel he's busy running in the farm. Yeah, yeah, he's running one of those right now. At least one that I'm aware that I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a reason nobody's recruited him to any of our multiplayer Steam games at this point. Well, for more traditional uh, gaming, uh, counter gaming using tabletop simulator, I'm going back and forth between it and Vassal, trying to figure out which I like better, which I 
don't dislike as much is more the case. Uh, for you know, for me, it, between the two, once you get past the learning curve for tabletop simulator, there, there's no looking back for me. And, and I get that there's certain things that Vassal can do that tabletop simulator can't, but it's not that much more. So what what do you like about tabletop so much compared to Vassal? It's more like sitting at a table and playing a game. I like the, to pick the pieces up and it's just it's just more you're getting closer to playing a physical board game for me. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I think the one thing that Vassal and I don't know that I've actually ever done a, a a game with anybody else in Vassal, but is the ability to play without both of you being on at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you you can you can play by email easier on Vassal than than I think you could probably hack something together with Tabletop Simulator. I don't want to say you can't do it because then somebody will show up and prove us wrong. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but but the I think it's uh, it's easier to do on Vassal because I think that was one of the features that was expressly designed in some number of years ago. Uh, for me personally, I've just never mastered the interface on Vassal. Tabletop Simulator is very intuitive because visually, like Brian said, it looks like you're sitting around a tabletop. And and I can handle the interface on Tabletop Simulator a lot easier than Vassal. And and I'm a dude that does interface design stuff as a part of the IT project management I do, and I can't stand the Vassal interface. So It really depends on who, you know, what module you're using, I've found, as far as Tabletop Simulator goes. You know, some of... Some of them are very well done, while others you're, you know, just trying to uh, draw, you know, six cards is a big chore. Uh, <laughs> it all depends on who, you know, I was uh, tooling around with uh, For the People, uh, Mark Herman's Civil War game. And there's like three different ones out there for Tabletop Simulator. So trying to find, you know, the one that uh, hits the sweet spot for you. That's key. Yeah. Well, you can also modify those things too, right? So if you find one that gets close, you can modify it to make it exactly what you want. But again, you've got to learn the interface to do that. The beauty of having all the choices is find the one that you like and go with that. You know, it's, yeah. It's, and, it's and another thing I'll say about tabletop simulator versus Vassal, and this is just me again. If you're going to teach somebody a game and they're going to play the game, a physical copy of the game, tabletop simulator is the way to go because Vassal is great at streamlining and making things simple. And that's wonderful if you're playing a game multiplayer with somebody. But if you're trying to teach somebody, here's how to play the physical board game, you, some of the stuff gets lost in Vassal, where Tabletop sure. Simulator, it's just like you're playing the board game. The pieces are the same. The way you move them are the same. It's all there. Yeah, you have virtual hands, you know, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> You could point out things, you, you know. I here's know. where the here's where the discards go. Here's here's where the dice go. You can show them. Here's how your physical board game will look when you're, you're moving these pieces. Vassal has a lot of excellent housekeeping stuff in it, where you press a button and, and the cards are gone. Where the hell they go? <laughs> yep. It's just a little easier to teach. You know, that's just my opinion, though. All right, so OJ's dad, somewhere around 100-ish games through Tabletop Simulator with Jim's crew. Have you done much gaming not with Jim's crew? Uh, mostly just PC gaming. Almost all, yeah. all of it's been PC. Yeah, so so I haven't managed to get anything else to, to the, yeah. the real now, analog tabletop. Huh? Yeah, now I, I have been doing Gettysburg, um, the old John Taylor Gettysburg with, with our friend uh, the Command Tent. Mm -hmm. Been doing a, a play-by-email of that for, for a little while now, so... Um, Okay. Now, talking about the Tiller games, who were owned by somebody else now. Uh, I forget. Does anybody... Uh, War Game Design Group? Is there it? you go. There you go. I it, I have one problem. I, I enjoy the games. 
Uh, but I do have one problem with them. And this isn't just these games, but could you could describe this across games and war games in general, is that you are specifically pointing to units that your units are firing at. Okay, when you're playing a tactical operational level game, okay, that's nowhere, you know, that's nothing like reality. Okay, a unit's going to shoot pretty much what is closest to it, you know, what it perceives as the biggest threat. It's not going to, you're not going to be able to say this unit shoots at this unit, this unit shoots at this unit, and so forth. Just a little pet peeve of mine in general, as far as wargaming goes. And I think the, uh, game that has done the best job of uh you know alleviating that is a modern day pc war game uh they just came out uh what is it uh southern storm i believe where basically we're pretty much the units you know they figure out what they're gonna fire at based on threat and uh you know you could put a unit somewhere but you don't get to choose who he's gonna shoot at now that was problematic a lot because you know your unit would be shooting at some jeeps or something instead of the tanks that were right behind it but they seem to have started to smooth that out and you know the the ai is uh starting to figure out things so just a little pet peeve for those type of games So, Brian, your your wargaming over the past year, as you look back on 2022 and, and what you played, uh, whether it's digital or tabletop, um, what, what stands out? You know, give us a sense of the, the depth and breadth of what you were playing and sort of what stands out to you about it. Well, last time I was on the podcast, I told you I was learning Paths of Glory. And, uh-huh. you know, everybody talks about Passive Glory, World War One strategic game. Uh, it, it's a true classic and everything. I found myself not enjoying it as much as I would have liked or thought I was going to. And the main reason is it's one of those uh, war games that has a ton of exceptions in it, especially once you get out for the uh, combat in the Middle East, you know, Lawrence of Arabia crap, stuff like that. It's just exception after exception. And trying to memorize all these exceptions or go back and look through all these exceptions can get a little tedious. So uh, I didn't I like it, but I it was one of the first card driven war games. And I think, you know, they've there's others that have surpassed it since it has came out yeah well i think we there are a lot of times where we find that true of the first in the series in many cases there's been a lot of developments to the coin series since andy and abyss Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of developments to the commands and colors series over the years right there's been a lot of developments to all kinds of different series over the years that that sometimes leave the original one you go back to it, you sort of kind of scratching your head and going, you know, this seems a little clunky because you haven't had the opportunity to kind of clean it up. Uh, well, so there is a second edition being printed now by GMT. So have they actually gone back and cleaned up some of what you're talking about? It's I it's, don't know. it's a reprint of the edition I already have of the so, so nothing edition. new. Yeah, it's nothing new. Uh, nice. I think a good general rule to follow is, you know, for game design is that the less exceptions is the better. That the game, you know, the system that you're using, you know, stands up to everything that you can run into in the game. I know that's never usually going to happen, but, you know, that's what the goal should be. Yeah. All right. So Paths of Glory, what else? Well, on the PC front, <laughs> I, I I tried the uh, Grand Tactician Civil War game. It, when I play, I haven't played it in a few months but the uh, artificial intelligence was just driving me up a wall. So I, I, I shelved it for a while and said, I'll get back, come back to it. What I had really been having the most entered fun with is uh total war three uh, Warhammer. 
that game is an absolute blast, and it has a lot more strategic depth than you would ever think for a uh, Warhammer game. I'm very impressed with the whole thing. And, I'm, I'm of course, I'm talking about the uh, Grand Campaign, where you have all the continents and everything. It, it's really fa- fascinating to watch and, uh, and a lot of fun to play. You know, I, f- I actually find the strategic level almost as much fun at this point as, you know, the tactical level of the game. I, uh, so wait, Warhammer's got a strategic, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm poking fun. I'm needling. So, um, anything physical, like real, not on the PC, old fashioned analog, put it on the tabletop and play. Well, the game any with you? Well, I got the whole family pl- right now, not necessarily war game. We're playing a uh, role player adventures. I don't know if you ever played the original role player, but this is the, uh, counterpart to it. That was pretty much a it turned everything into a long dungeons and dragons campaign it has like individual modules you create characters uh it, it we p- played the first module so far and we had a pretty good time you know some rough spots trying to figure out things at first but a lot of fun so uh h- huge game by the way giant box we're talking uh i don't know it, it's freaking huge but uh yeah join the hell out of that and the pr- pretty much the premise is that you have to make your dice you have dice of different colors and you have to say in order to kill something you'll need a blue three a green four and a red five you're gonna roll dice and you gotta using the cards you have you're gonna have to manipulate the dice to match those in order to kill the things so it's it's light it's got a story i'm having a lot of fun with it BB Mike, I know at least Bayonets and Tomahawks and Assault Red Horizon 41 hit the table for you this year because I was there. Um, <laughs> those were those were two of the Origins events that you had. What else, um, besides what we've seen on My Own Worst Enemy, uh, what else, if anything, has hit the table for you? Well, it's funny that you mentioned Bayonets and Tomahawks and Assault Red Horizon because those are actually two games that surprised me and just how they were. I mean, those, those turned out to be really, really good games. And I think Bayonets and Tomahawks, I think, really took off. Just, uh, I think that was one of the better sellers for GMT. So that was kind of neat to see. Uh, what have I played off the table? Not a whole lot. Everything tends to be, you know, related to the channel. So uh, lately when I'm playing a game, you're, you're seeing me play it, right? <laughs> That's part of the deal. <laughs> And it goes back to what I said. You're actually seeing me play this game, but I do my best to teach it best I can. I'm not, it's not strictly a learning thing for people, but I am trying to show you how to play it so that you can see what I do and actually go back and, and try it yourself if you're interested. Um, one of the things I did earlier, I think, in the year was the Across Five Aprils and the Battle Hymn playthroughs, and that was really neat to, to play the older Across Five Aprils and then kind of contrast that to kind of like what Brian was alluding to, the up the updated uh, Battle Hymn where the rules had changed a little bit and it was, you know, to, to talk about those differences and how it played out. So that was kind of cool. Uh, Solitaire-wise, uh I'm trying to think of solitaire games I played. It, well, I guess Midway Solitaire stood out. That was kind of a, another unexpectedly, in a positive way, a, a, a fun game. If you like solitaire games, I recommend. I highly recommend that one. And then the one I've got playing now, CSA America Civil War from Ben Madison, that was really surprised me and just how much fun that is. I'm having a lot of fun playing that game. And I, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when that gets reprinted and how it's received. I, I think there's a it's a neat system and there's a lot of things I haven't encountered before. And I, I it's just a lot of fun to play. It's at a, a high level 
you're moving generals with their armies attached to them and and it's just it's really neat yeah i've been watching you play that uh it definitely needs a component upgrade. I'll say that much. Uh, but yeah, the, the actual game well, the one itself playing, is very it is intriguing. Defense. I mean, that thing's 15 years old at this point, maybe older. Yes, and it's from a publisher, a fiery dragon that is not even around anymore. They're around, but they're not quite, they're not doing war games. So it, it is well, an older game. Yeah, so the guys that are currently running fiery dragon have, have, stepped away from war game stuff they even the war game stuff they were doing was all was always pretty small things and ben madison was was kind of an oddball one-off sort of thing in there they published several things from brian train several things from carrie anderson uh they, they had a couple of smaller things that they had done from some guys that have gone on to great success elsewhere but that was sort of some of their first early attempts and and the production values are barely one step above the old metagaming little tuck box games from the the early 80s yeah 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 so and so the neat thing about csa and this i'm going to sing the praises of ben madison and wes ernie again it's it's not you know you're not railroaded into historical outcomes there's random events like you know the the first the first battle i had battle of manassas the union kicked the confederates all the way back to richmond it was crazy and um and the in just the random events you can have uh i'm looking forward to playing his world war one game death in the trenches i just bought Uh, that so that that's that's going to be interesting. I'll eventually get a playthrough that on the channel. But yeah, it's really really cool stuff. Now the question is, for these type of games, there's not a there's not a whole lot of maneuver going on, so to speak, because of the uh, limited amount of hexes. You know, both for this American Civil War game and for Death in the Trenches. So it, are you? Well, I don't no, want to say see, you're not not playing I, the game, but it's more of a simulator of the conflict so to speak no see i would disagree with that it it, is you do have to maneuver because if you look at the map there's actually black thick lines where you cannot move your armies you're kind of you have to if you if i want to go to richmond from washington it's not a straight line i've got to actually follow and i don't know and this is one thing i guess i need to ask ben i don't know if if it was done to to model the historical path they took or there's some geographical feature that causes you to move that way but yeah you have to to maneuver yeah yeah you i mean there is some maneuver but just based on the limited amount amount of hexes that are available there's only you know so much maneuvering you can do oh yeah it's it's Uh, not operational level i think you're above that even right (laughs) yeah yeah i mean what is it there's three hexes between washington dc and richmond in this game i believe yeah Uh, you're you're getting up to strategic yeah it's it's getting pretty high up there so as far as maneuvering in that I, i do i enjoy these games just to play them out just to see you know the alternate history that can happen with him. He does a seems to do a really good job with that. Yeah. I will tell you that even today, getting from Richmond to DC can be a real pain in the ass because there's only <laughs> like three bridges over the Rappahannock for a hundred miles in either direction. And if there's an accident near one of them, the other two are immediately overwhelmed by traffic and you might as well just like drive to the coast and hope for the best. Yeah. I drove from Fredericksburg uh, to uh, Gettysburg. And uh, let me tell you, I thought it was taking as long as uh, General Lee took. I mean, that, that, that's why that's why my closest friends all choking on car exhaust. <laughs> that that's why McClellan took boats to start the Peninsula Campaign, right? There you he, go. He knew the traffic was too heavy going down ninety five. Yeah. He could because <laughs> everybody got backed up at the merge in Quantico, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. So, um, the uh, Mike, what else we got there? Anything? Uh, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. What's uh, what's the current PDF count over at Drive Through RPG? I quit looking. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I added a few this week, man. I had some Kickstarters come in that I got the PDF versions for free. And so so they've now been added to the RPG, the drive through RPG library. So I, I feel you. That, that's what made me think of it was, was adding these couple to the library going, oh, man, some people would totally laugh at me, but Mike would know exactly how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of Kickstarters, I just, uh, I backed Oath. I, I don't know if you've heard about it. Oath Sworn. Yeah. $130. Better work out. <laughs> <laughs> But everybody's raving about this game, so it, this isn't related to the Iron Sworn stuff. Is no, it? It, it's it's a different thing. Okay, Iron Sworn's the RPG series, and then there's a uh, O Sworn back into the woods or some crap like that. I forget what the hell the full title was. Yeah, you're the 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 one that Brian is talking about is, is as as uh, Cyrano likes to describe it. A lot of minis porn involved. Well, in I did. I got the version without the minis. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and I am so happy that they gave us a choice of a version with or without minis. As, did, you know does, my does, stamp for minis. Does your version come with blocks you have to sticker of all these? No, pictures? not that either. <laughs> Standies, which lo- hopefully nobody sneezes, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But, you, you know, while we're talking about Kickstarter, one of the saddest but kind of funny things is the one Kickstarter Kickstarter board game that I bought that I that basically the designer took off on the lamb, took everybody's money and uh, never put out a game. It was a it was a pirate game. So kind of appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to agree with you on that one. <laughs> I, I, I can kind of see that one. Um, but kind of pathetic, actually. I mean, not on your part, on their part, but it, it is kind of pathetic. So. Yeah, he, it was pretty, I, I can't remember what it was called. It was a beautiful looking game. You know, it never got published, obviously. But uh, yeah, the uh, the designer, you know, who had a pretty big social media presence, totally dropped off the face of the earth, wasn't answering anything. And yeah, we're not getting my hopes up that it'll ever come out. A bunch of the gameplay that I've done has been at conventions and meetups over the past year. So I was at Buckeye Game Fest back in April. I also um, it was at Origins and then uh, Jeff Con. Uh, I did attend Southern Front, but I was there just taking pictures and talking to folks. I wasn't there actually playing anything. Uh, but but we've had our weekly meetup, our weekly, our monthly meetups that we've done for Wargaming Day over at Gamers Armory here in town. <clears throat> and it's it's kind of funny because I got Mike. You know, I, I talked to Mike. It's like, hey, can we get Wargame Day back on the schedule? He said, boom, done. First Sunday of every month. Uh, that was in June when he said, or it, at the end of May when he said all that up so the first one was going to be in june and of course where was i the first weekend of june i was up in ohio prepping for origins because i i go up the weekend before and visit some family while i'm up there before origins start and so i got him to put war game day back on the calendar and then i missed the first one uh but but by all accounts they still had a good time we've had up to a dozen folks show up for these things again we've only got like five six hours to work with so we're not getting at any kind of monster games or something massive set up at all but we've had a lot of the the lighter war games whether it was ogre or um Ars Victor or uh, Memoir 44 or Undaunted. Uh, we did get a game of Zermatt in last time. We did uh, a game of Bayonets and Tomahawks one time. And and uh, Mike, you're right. It's a, 
it, it's a really fun game. That has got to be one of the worst player aid cards I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, there, there's so much crap crammed onto that thing and not in sensible places because they just needed to find space to fit it all on there. It, 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 it was, it hurt. Uh, you know, but at, at Buckeye Game Fest, we brought along Brief Border Wars and then had that again at Origins. That's a great lighter convention game. I've brought it with me to uh, to Gamer's Armory and, and we did get one game on the table at Gamer's Armory with that one as well. Uh, it, it's a great lighter game because you can learn it pretty quick and, and like all the other quad series games out there, once you've got the standard mechanics down for one game, you can play any of the four pretty easily in there. And, and you've got four pretty diverse options to choose from. Uh, Tank on Tank has hit the table at, at uh, War Game Day, and we had that one at, uh, at Jeff Con. And, I mean, Mike, you'll attest to this. We had somebody at every one of those events, and we had repeat customers. You know, we, we had folks coming back. Yeah. So that, that was pretty cool that folks were, uh, were having a good enough time that they came back to a subsequent event to play some more. So that was... That was pretty neat. Uh, yeah, that was actually one good thing to see. It was uh, as we had these games set up that people would come by and express an interest in what we were doing. And it was, you know, people that younger people, even that you wouldn't expect that would have any interest at all in some of the stuff we were we were running. We're like, hey, what is this? So it was pretty cool. Yeah, the crowd I had show up Friday night for the Friday night session of Tank on Tank were not Wargamers at all. Um, was that they, the family? Uh, yeah, that was the family that was there. They, they definitely yeah. were not. They were having a good time, though. They, they, yeah, they had a good time. I when they walked up, I was a little. You guys in the right place. Part of the problem was Jeff Con categorized us as miniatures instead of you know the board games. Even though we we're doing wargaming stuff, I think they just thought war games equal mini. Uh, like like I, I don't know if it's you know there's some British guy making the decision or what, but that they didn't let that get in the way of them having a good time. So we had simultaneous games of tank on tank going uh, on two tables, and they traded opponents and played another round and had a good time and came back and thanked us for it again the next day. And so that was that was cool. That was fun to see. Um, your dude who sat down and played the Commands and Colors Tricorn with you is already registered for the forums and popped in and said hi there. So that's uh, yeah. And uh and that's been fun. On the digital front, we've had uh OJ's dad, how many how many Civ six games am I in with you? Two? I don't think you're in all three of them, are you? Uh, no, I think we have three right now. Yeah, so yeah. I think you and I might be the only ones that are in all three, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, so I've got to ask uh, OJ's dad, is is Civilization working? Because I know that I saw on the on Steam yeah. that there were some issues with the latest uh, DLC. I haven't, or... I haven't had any trouble with it, but I'm, yeah, I haven't had any trouble. Okay. Uh, Brant, I think you made a, kind of threw a question out there about Zerno. Jim doing yeah. that and he actually tried it um he and he and Velker and myself and command tent had a game going and we got 40 50 turns in maybe and we had a corrupted file oh you know that we false and he's just like nope I'm not doing this I'm not playing around and messing around and and in some ways I understand it right I mean Paraxis isn't exactly a small publisher they shouldn't be having these issues yeah yeah, nah, I'm I'm with you. I we've, get it. We've one of our games right now is in that status, and we just haven't had time to sit down as a group to to try to recover it. God, that's what I was saying. They're getting hammered now on the discussion forums on Steam for the release well, of this latest DLC. This, this isn't something new. This is this has been going on what the year and a half that I've been doing Civ Six multiplayer games. With this, this is group. the third or fourth time we've had a corrupted save file across all the different ones that I've played in. 
the challenge we've had with this one is just trying to find a common schedule point at which we can get five different people all online at the same time because you got to have everybody there to re-enter the game sequentially uh, and stay in the game in order to get it to relaunch. And then after once you're to that point, then the save is good and you can keep going from there. Right. Um, this is going to sound incredibly obnoxious but on, on the other hand i kind of don't care because i was doing well but uh the the game that's corrupted i'm honestly not a hundred percent sure it's worth salvaging at this point um <laughs> and, and and mike's chuckling for a reason um the the four different score components that we had on there i was or uh, the there are five of them on there and i'm running away with four of them and, and not particularly close. And some of it was dumb luck. Some of it was because I had one AI player on the same continent with me and I was able to knock him out very early. And that allowed me to double my number of cities faster than anybody else because I, I stole three from the guy I conquered on top of the three I already had when everybody else was barely, you know, founding their third and fourth cities. I had already doubled my, my city count and it just balloon from there and and so the combination of having my own chunk of land i now had entirely to myself and having a head start on number of cities compared to everybody else the the lead has just grown like crazy oh. so uh you know would it be cool to go ahead and restart it all just so i can watch the victory screen play through at the end of the game yeah sure but um you know even just looking at the uh the military strength stats i think i'm stronger than like the next three of y'all combined just because again i had the head start on that many cities so so vance wasn't playing in this game he is <laughs> Are we okay <laughs> he is and he, and, and he had just picked a fight with me right before the save corruption happened um <laughs> And, and it's funny because Vance in the in the discussion thread around this that's on Steam in the Steam chat room, Vance tried saying, you know, it's nothing personal. And and I said what we were probably all thinking, which is, oh yeah, it is. As the armchair dragoons march into the ninth season of their podcast, mentioned in dispatches, we need to make time to thank our Patreon supporters who pledged at the regimental patron level. So a heartfelt thanks to Patrick Garrity. Mike Quigley, Joseph Knoll, Hethwell Wargames, Robert, Kevin Bertram, Chet Bell, Treb Curry, Staggerwing, and Patrick Mullen for their support of the Armchair Dragoons and helping us to bring you the best strategy gaming content on the web. You too can sign up as a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash armchair dragoons. Guys, let's go once more around the table with some holiday wargaming wishes and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up season nine here uh mike oj's dad you got another one for us you got another holiday wargaming wish you would like to drop on the wargaming world or any particular person in the wargaming world out there uh open compass gets um shoot trooping released here in 2023 yeah you know not long after we recorded the compass games podcast i did get a <laughs> message from mo I don't know how widely known this might be. The original designer on Shoots Trippin' passed away like a year or two ago. Ah, I did not and know that. So there have been a bunch of folks trying to work from his playtest notes plus their own involvement in the development to finish the design work on it. But the original designer passed away. And ah. I didn't know that. It, 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 and I don't think any of us knew that when we've been discussing it on the podcast, just with how long it was taken for that to come out. Uh, but I, I think that, that that's what's going on, and that doesn't seem like an unreasonable reason for delay. No, 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 it doesn't. And, and you know, we talked about it on the podcast, right? Um, you know, with, with COVID and everything else, you, you, you expected some delays. You just... 
Um, unfortunately, there's nothing out here on the on the game's webpage to indicate something you know of that nature and, and explain to people, hey, this is why it's been going on three years now that you prepaid for this and and we don't have it out yet out to you yet. Yeah, you yeah. know. You know, again, Mo's explanation made perfect sense. I'm thinking the same thing. Oh, yeah. Is why, why didn't somebody let you know that? Right. And yeah, I'll be honest. It could. I, I don't think it's buried in an email because when I searched my emails for, for the game title a, a, a while ago, I don't remember seeing anything pop up about that. But again, like I said, it's right here on the product page is where they should be putting something like that. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's a bad subject to have to, to, to deal with. But then again, people have money wrapped up into this already. Yeah, yeah. No, totally understand. Which, and, and just to be clear there, I know people don't usually pay until they actually start shipping those. I paid already because I'd ordered that along with games that were shipping at the time that were in stock. So the way the, the financing worked is that got that charged to me immediately. So a little bit of a difference there. Yeah, yeah, I, I can. I think the entire process by which you went through the purchase decision and execution all makes sense. I think the issue of you know having a designer who's now passed away and somebody trying to finish their work makes sense. I think some communication in between probably would have been helpful. So, yep. uh, but, but as we've pointed out before. War game companies in the large are not always known for, you know, having all that particularly great a stellar PR crew working for them when most of them are shoestring operations and part-time operations and, you know, we've got three people doing nine jobs. Yep. And I will I will throw this out. Compass does a weekly town hall and maybe it got talked about on the town hall. I don't usually get a chance to listen to the town halls because a lot of times I'm involved with the game with Jim um, yeah. and, and I'm usually not going back and listening to a lot of these YouTubes after the fact, I'll be honest with, you know, not just the compass one, but, but a lot of them, you know, yeah. just yeah. don't always have time to sit there and say, okay, let's go back and, and play this over again. So um, if it got mentioned there, just something I had no idea about. I, I will say one of the nice things with YouTube is you can watch them on slightly faster speed, 1.25 or 1.5. And there's a lot that you can absorb at that point. And particularly if you're just listening for one, you know, one specific facet of the show, it's very easy to put it on higher speed until you hear, you know, some particular trigger word pop up that, oh yeah, that's the part I want to hear. Slow it down, back it up a couple of seconds and then pick up and go from there. So that that is... That is a helpful way to get through shows like Moe's Whiskey Charlie that they, they were on live earlier tonight. Tomorrow I'll pull Whiskey Charlie up and put it on in the background, maybe while I'm cooking breakfast or something, and just put Mo on like 1.25 speed and let it go. And the other great thing is because it's digital, not analog, they don't sound like the chipmunks. It just sounds like Moe talking really fast. It, it sounds like he's got the Micro Machines guys on the show with him. But um, OJ's dad, any other holiday wargaming wishes you'd, you'd like to toss out there? No, don't think so. What are you most looking forward to in 2023 for wargaming? What am I looking forward to the most? Uh, honestly, I'm not sure right now. Yeah. The right answer was supposed to be coming and hanging out with us at Buckeye Game Fest. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> Brian. 
Any yes, other sir. holiday wargaming wishes you want to bestow upon the greater wargaming world? Well, I'm still waiting on Empires and Arms to be reprinted. It's never going to happen. <laughs> still waiting. Uh, I did hear, I think I heard through the rumor mill, the other game that I wanted to see uh, remade, uh, Av- not Avalon Hill, uh, Victory Games Civil War is being reprinted by somebody, I believe. Uh, at least I think I heard that. I'm old. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I dreamed that. I don't know. But like to see both of those be uh, reprinted. But uh, by and large, I mean, the world we're living in now, this is, I think we're at peak war game. Uh, we, there are more war games coming out now than at any time in history. It's hard to even keep up with everything. You know, I'm, I'm sure uh, Mike could tell you that, you know, the amount of games, it, it, you just can't, I mean, he... He pretty much on his channel focuses, you know, on a game for a couple weeks. By doing that, you're missing out on a lot. But I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with that because he's one of the few that actually, you know, puts the effort in and, you know, to go into detail into games. Uh, A lot of uh, what we're seeing now on YouTube channels is basically, oh, here's the latest one. Open it up, show it to you. And that's the last you'll ever see of it. You know, because there's another one coming out the next day. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy how many uh, games are coming out and how frequent. So I don't know. There's not a whole lot to complain about uh, as far as, uh, you know, in the world of wargaming nowadays. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see again it being like this. It's almost like the, you know, we have so many television channels now that it's actually hard to find the diamonds in the rough of, you know, what you want to watch. And it's kind of getting that way with wargaming. What is the diamonds in the rough? You know, hard to find now. Just uh, make a post on Twitter about how great you think a specific game is and then watch all the reactions telling you about how game X or game Y is so much better. And there are your diamonds in the rough. But That's yeah, how it's supposed to work, right? I guess. I don't know. Like I said, it's just so much. I mean, just look at all the the P500 games. Go to the uh, what's coming up from Compass Games. It, it, the inundation. And, you know, I'm just talking about the two biggest companies. You know, you throw in everybody else, and my God, it's hard to keep up. You know, there, were, there was a time period when I was younger where, you know, you pretty much knew every game that was coming out. Uh, yeah, because Avalon Hill could only do four a year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So nowadays, it's something. I, I'm not sure it's necessarily, you know, for the better, but it is what it is. So, yep, yep, definitely. Uh, Mike, BB Mike, any last holiday wargaming wishes you wish to do, to to bestow upon the wargaming world and or looking ahead to 2023? Well, um, I mean, uh, in spite of what Brian just said about being swamped with games i'll harp on reprints again i'd love to see some games reprinted that are out of print (laughs) to have even more choices to choose from uh you know one one big wish we ought to be wishing for i guess is that all the the shipping issues get resolved so that you know we these things get shipped faster and and pricing for our friends across the the pond and north of the wall are are better i'd like to see that i'm sure they would too well you know mike you just made me think that the gmt just had their big sale right you know everybody was talking about it and we're recording this it it ended 22 hours ago okay well i went looking you know i'm thinking maybe i'll make a few purchases i couldn't find one game that was actually in stock that i wanted so i I made the same thing but, but I then have... I went and looked at my order history, and, I, and it was all in there. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, that'll do it to you. Well, and you do have other sources. 
Noble Knight's got a sale going on right now. You know, Compass's sales goes on forever. To no hit for Tuesday you. Newsday. The we moved the sales section to the top yep. for this week's Tuesday Newsday because yep. there's so damn many of them. Yep. You know who didn't Hodge have Field. a sale? You know who didn't have a sale? And and they will now because I bought a couple of games, White Dog Games. Yes, yes, they might. Uh, although now, now that I they might purchase, they probably will. I imagine that Steve has probably asked that White Dog kindly delay their sale until <laughs> Hollandaise is done. Because whenever the Hollandaise sale goes on, Hollandspiel ends up dominating Blue Panther's production queue uh, for about six weeks to the point where uh, both both Amabel and Steve have talked about Steve brings in extra help when the Hollandaise sale is going on so that he can run the machines longer throughout the day just to try and keep up. I wonder if he'll sell me one of his machines so I can just print my own. <laughs> Or rent it out to you, at least. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea. We're retiring soon. Go work for him. We, we we can do weekend at Steve's. We can just go to his place and print out games and play them. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So I did have Leaping Lemmings in the cart, not because it's necessarily all that wargamey, but because I thought it'd be fun, something fun to play with the family here. There's a house copy over at Gamer's Armory. My son actually learned to play from Rick, the designer, back when Rick lived here in town. Uh, Rick has since moved out of the area, but... But, but it was always a fun one that we could play that the, the younger kids get a kick out of. And it's, it's lemmings that are trying to dash across the field around the cliff, avoid the eagles that are trying to snatch them up and eat them, and then have the biggest, most impressive cliff dive off of the cliff to their death. And, and so as you can time your moves and try and get those big five-point jumps off the cliff, that increases your score uh, for, for your lemmings trying to escape. Uh, but it does teach some pretty good war game concepts in there. You've got zones of control with the way the eagles are circling. You do have cover and concealment because the lemmings can hide in the bushes. You do have movement rates you have to worry about. So, I mean, it's it's there's some war game concepts in there, even though it's essentially a game of competitive suicide. So I had that one in the cart. Um, Mike, looking ahead to 2023, what do you got? You talking to me? Yes, you. You were the one we were talking looking to. Well, okay, so all the things that I just mentioned that were, that were – all the things I just mentioned that were in my uh, my pre-orders from GMT and Compass 2, for that matter. Uh, and in fact, one of them was one that Brian mentioned, A Paths of Glory. I, I've heard great things about that game, and it's been at a print for so long that, you know, I, I jumped on that. So I think it's probably at the printers now, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, one that is not a war game and is coming in at a weight of 36 pounds Holy is Frost, Frost Haven. <laughs> yep 36 pounds so that's going to be probably another year and a half to two years of gaming with the wife so that'll that'll be fun um and i'm trying to think of that like, there's just a ton of stuff i'm waiting for is it really going to drag out a year and a half when you're going to be retired yes because she's not and it, it's probably going to take longer than that because this this game is much larger in scope than gloomhaven was so okay. that's hard to believe i know right <laughs> <laughs> Until you realize that the Gloomhaven box didn't weigh 36 pounds. That's, uh, yeah, that... I'm just hoping is, that... A couple I'm just years hoping ago, that, that seemed completely improbable, but today you just kind of shrug and go, yeah, I guess so. I'm just hoping that the, that the mailman in uh, Ardwolf's old neighborhood, you know, when he quit his job to move down here to start working in the mail department, doesn't get my route to deliver that, because he's going to go crazy again if he does. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> So, uh, BB Mike, conventions for 2023? Uh, they're all, you know, up in the air, but I'm looking at Origins and Buckeye Game Fest, but I haven't been invited yet. Uh, I mean, you haven't been invited. Hey, Mike, why don't you come to Buckeye Game Fest? <laughs> 
and there's uh, yeah i don't know it's, it's gonna be an interesting year for conventions for me but those those two for sure i hope yeah i and think my game fest lands a little too close to washington that trying to do both would be ch- it would be tough and remember trader brian's tiki bar and rum grotto is usually on your way to columbus <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> So if I go through Tennessee, I can stop by Steve's too. <laughs> I'm not, you you guys, your, your definition of on the way is kind of like those old family circus cartoons, watching Billy walk around the yard where they've got the little box racing him through the cartoon. <laughs> well, we're planning on taking the armchair Dragoon's bus, right? So we can just kind of cruise around and pick up people and <laughs> head to Columbus. It's probably a minivan. Sure. Well, while you're doing that, swing by uh, Carolina Game Tables and pick up one or two of those that we can use in our booth area to show off. Because Clint and Jody have said that they're willing to let us use a couple, but we got to move them. Yeah, okay. Have you ever picked up one of those things? Because <laughs> uh, I have. There's the reason I was telling you to go do it. <laughs> so that I don't have to. Because, <laughs> yes, those those things they are, are quite enormous. And it's... They- we're, they are built okay, to last. So. They, they, they are they are real wood and built to last. They're awesome, actually. <laughs> Brief war story digression. Uh, BB Mike, were you there when uh, at Origins this past year when Gary had his wife there come to check him out and then was telling everybody about him afterwards? Yes. Gary <laughs> described these things as a wharf made of Roman concrete, and for whatever reason. <laughs> That tickled the perfect amount of funny bone at exactly the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. The wrong time being, I had just taken a large swig of that. After that. <laughs> and it was a perfect Marx Brothers movie spit take. It wasn't <laughs> perfect if you were like people. <laughs> I, you know, I still randomly break out in laughter over that. <laughs> I would give it anything to have that on video. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> the fact that we're laughing about it and, and Brian and, and Mike are ready to hang up on us probably tells you how not funny this is to anybody that wasn't there <laughs> and i'm just sitting there because you know i know Ardwolf, but i don't know him that well i'm just like how in the hell is he going to take this is he going to get up and kill brand <laughs> the thought did cross brand's mind <laughs> <laughs> but he took it well he, he really did I, we, we all laughed about it quite a bit for the rest of the weekend which was better than brant being dead <laughs> Yeah, those those tables are fairly indestructible and are heavy as hell, which, again, is why I said, why don't you go pick one up and bring it to Origins so I don't have to. Uh, I'm not sure that would fit in the Armchair Dragoon's bus, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fair point. My Wargaming wish sort of ties in with my whole looking ahead to 2023, and, and that is we've now – so I used to live in Columbus. Columbus Area Board Gaming Society is. CABS is, is the largest regular meeting war ga- game club, not just war game, but, but board game club on the planet. They've claimed that for any number of years, and nobody's got any proof to contradict them with it, so, so they're going to continue to run with it. You get a lot of these smaller local conventions, get 100, 150, 200 people show up for, uh, for a convention weekend – 150 people at cabs this Friday night. I mean, that's just a, that's that's a regular Friday night meeting for cabs. I am convinced that the Raleigh area where I live now, where I've been for the last 12, 13 years, um, almost 15 years now, has as many tabletop gamers and war gamers as the Columbus area does. I'm convinced that we've got just as many here as they do there. We just suck at getting organized. And so what I'm really hoping is that over the course of the next year, uh, both my, my wargaming wish for the wargaming world and, and my holiday wish for the wargaming world and, and my looking ahead to 2023 is that the wargaming community in this area gets a little more organized and, and a little more pulled together such that 
we've we've got regular, not just the regular meetups that we do at Gamers Army, but we're able to, to organize some impromptu stuff, some recurring games. Maybe we get two or three nights in a row that we're able to hit Gamers Armory for a larger monster game where I think they'd be willing to let us leave something set up if we're going to be there two or three nights in a row, kind of protect the table for us. They're not going to leave a table in the store protected for like months on end for us to come in once a week. There's no way, and, and we wouldn't expect that or ask that of them. But if we came in... Sunday, Monday, Tuesday nights, three nights in a row to get a big monster game done. I think they'd be willing to work with us on something like that or find some other place in the community around here where we might be able to set up and, and leave something like that for a little while. I, I would like to see the wargaming community around here get get more organized so we've got uh, a wider array of opponents for some real world meetups, some real world wargaming, and, and you know actually get a real legitimate community group going here similar to what they've got at CAB because I think even the war game portion of cabs is a really cool thing that folks can find a lot of games. There's a good entry point for helping new gamers get into war gaming and, and for helping folks that are new to town find other war gamers. I would like to be able to replicate that here and I, I hope that we can make some strides towards that in the upcoming year. Beyond that, the other thing to look forward to in 2023, our next Armchair Dragoon Digital Convention, the ACDC. We're going to have some information coming out here in the next two or three weeks. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be about the next week, maybe a little less. Uh, it will be MLK weekend here in the U.S. That's 13 to 15 January. The 16th is actually the MLK holiday. We're not going to stretch the gaming into Monday so everybody gets a that, that day off, that actual holiday off, uh, whether they've got some service organization, something or other ways in which they're they're observing the holiday, go for it. But we've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday lined up for games and talk shows and some of the presentations and some of the other happy hours and other fun stuff we do. And, and that is our plan is to run 13, 14, 15 January will be our next Armchair Dragons Digital Convention. That is the same weekend as a couple of other conventions, most notably Winter Offensive, which is MMP's house convention up in Baltimore. If you want to Winter Offensive and play ASL for the weekend, have a blast. You guys go enjoy the hell out of it. We're sorry we will miss you at the ACDC, uh, but go have a good time playing some war games. Those of you that are not going to Winter Offensive or, or one of the other conventions that weekend, uh, look, you can do the ACDC from literally anywhere with a web connection. Come join us. Play war games in your pajamas. Um, Mike, OJ's dad, will tell you that that we, we've we gotten pretty good at teaching folks what to do with Tabletop Simulator and, and how to play some war games there. So, so please come join us for that. And shortly after the ACDC is when we will fire up Season 2, or Season 2, Season 10 of our podcast in the meantime i think this kind of puts a bow on season nine guys we we are now over a hundred episodes of mentioning dispatches this is more podcasts than we've ever done anywhere else before which is kind of cool and i think this now means we are eligible for network syndication which i think puts us on at like 3 a.m on the cw is that, is that <laughs> not right is that when we're going to be on broadcast here? Um, Black Network, got, just after Home Improvement. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I got I got a call from UPN. They want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Fair, I only yeah, said that because I was watching Home Improvement right before we started this. Yeah. I haven't seen that for years. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be on Laugh or MeTV or like one of those digital sub-channels that, that only us dorks with antennas ever even know exists. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll be the, the 2 a.m. filler content on Grit TV, you know, uh, some, something like that. Um, but anyway... Uh, Brian, thank you very much for being here and joining us. Um, Mike, thank you very much for being here and joining us. And other Mike, thank you very much for being here and joining us. And 
and I'm, I think my goal for next podcast season is to not have two people with the same name on any podcast so that we don't in, in, end up with that confusion of, wait, you're talking to me? You've said that before. Yeah, I know. I know. And I keep screwing it up, don't I? <laughs> well, there's a lot of mics. Because, yeah, good my follow through is on this. So, so, <laughs> so Mike, Mike, we, we just been kicked off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> This isn't surprising considering this is the guy who won't change Tuesday Newsday to Thursday because it rhymes. So you know that as soon as I change Tuesday Newsday to Thursday, that suddenly every war game product announcement is gonna go out Thursday at six PM. <laughs> you know goddamn good and well that's exactly what will happen. Uh, sounds like you ought to publish it on Saturday morning just to avoid any, any publishers trumping you later. Yeah, that would entail waking up on Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> i'd rather not if i could help it in any event audience thank you very much for sticking with us through season nine of of mentioned and dispatches here uh please come hang out with us at the dragoons we'll probably get a live stream or two up sometime over the holidays uh just for kicks right let's all let's all grab a, a holiday themed beverage and flip on the cameras and just goof off on youtube for an hour or two probably do that once or twice over the holidays uh in the meantime we look forward to seeing as many of you as possible at the acdc uh, before we fire up season 10 of the podcast after the new year and again buckeye game fest will have an official armchair dragoons presence origins will have an official armchair dragoons presence beyond that we're not really sure the successor to mace will be mythic con we might try to do something with those guys we might look at some other new convention to go invade and take over uh, but in any event we we hope to see as many dragoons as possible join us for the ride down the line so for everybody thanks for sticking with us through 2022 look forward to seeing you in 2023 and guys everybody go have a beautiful evening and a great holiday season <laughs>